Hello, everyone. This is Jim Cross, Chief Financial Officer of Village Missions. This is my 24th year serving with Village Missions, uh, starting in 1995 as staff accountant, and now I have served as Chief Financial Officer since 2003. I'm here today to introduce you to the concept of fiduciary responsibility. This series will help you take charge of your church or ministry finances and demonstrate accountability before your donors, your members, the people you serve, and the public at large. I'm going to use the terms church and ministry interchangeably because this resource will likely be used by both. So why are accountability and transparency important? Why are we doing this? Well, we seem to be in a season where the bad news of ministry failure comes with increasing regularity. And every time I hear of some failure, whether it's financial or moral or legal, my heart drops a little. You know, these reports are disheartening for several reasons. In financial cases, the sacrificial gifts of faithful believers are stolen, never to be used for the purpose for which they were given. But in all cases, the reputation of the ministry is harmed, and most significantly, the progress of the gospel is deterred. So, in a season of judgment and discipline for the institutional church, small churches and ministries may escape notice seemingly unaffected by scandals embroiling our big brothers. You know, we just duck down and operate under the radar because we can mostly. We can escape notice and just do our thing in our little corner of the kingdom. Yet, we may be impacted in time because the offenses are a matter of kind and not degree. It doesn't matter how many zeros are on the end of the uh, dollar amount in play. The reputational harm caused by the big boys reflects upon us all. So I encourage you to use this season as a time of preparation. If public opinion turns the tide and brings legislation to bear on these issues, I hope we can respond in a spirit of readiness, trusting the Lord to use our testimony to bring glory to his name. For some time, we have watched the external props that we rely upon to demonstrate accountability begin to crumble. We know now that an external audit by a CPA, which can cost tens of thousands of dollars annually, is quite ineffective at detecting fraud. There is uh, an organization called Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, and they issue a report every two years. It's called the uh, Report to the Nations. The last one was done in 2018, and it is linked in the comments to this podcast. This report has demonstrated that in cases of fraud, an external audit detects less than 4%. That is, the annual exercise undertaken by the certified public accountant that costs a lot of money detects less than 4% of fraud. Now, 
I don't want to put auditors in a bad light because they tell us themselves that an audit is not designed to detect fraud. But I raise that point to emphasize the point that we tend to over-rely on the external experts. We pay them a lot of money that could be going to ministry instead. We need to take personal responsibility for our accountability and transparency in ministry. We need to take a personal interest in this. And if the audit is not a requirement, our boards need to be asking the question, do we need to be doing this? Maybe we need to be taking this on ourselves and exercising um, some fiduciary responsibility on our own. And perhaps that may be more effective in the end. So let's consider this report from the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners for a moment. If you, you go to their website and take a look at it, you will see that almost 40% of fraud is caught through tips. Now, where do the tips come from? Tips come from whistleblowers. Why do people blow the whistle? Well, it's because they care. And in Christian ministry, we have a leg up on other nonprofits and businesses because we have a shared faith, a common set of beliefs that bind us together. We are here for higher reasons. We're here to serve the Lord. And when we see things that aren't right, it creates conflict in our souls. Now, as leaders, we need to make it safe for people to blow the whistle, not just by having a whistleblower policy in the manual, but also by creating an environment where people care. We need to talk about accountability and transparency and lead by example. We will discuss whistleblower policies in more detail in an upcoming episode. But just know now that you need to have a policy and you need to make it a safe environment for the whistleblowers because that's where 40% of fraud is found. Now, if we take a, a further look at this report from the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, we, we, we can see that five of the top seven methods of initial fraud detection can be attributed to good internal processes or a healthy culture. It is significant to realize that 78% of fraud is detected because of good process and good culture. If you got five of the seven methods cover 78%, that's huge. So personally, I'm grateful that we have a healthy culture at Village Missions. If I personally did something to defraud the mission, I couldn't get away with it for long because I have people who work with me in the finance function and they would have no qualms about going directly to my boss 
and throwing me under the bus. And I'm grateful for that culture. Now, realizing that financial accountability is something for which we need to take personal responsibility, we have partnered with the Association of North American Missions to develop tools that will help boards of small churches and ministries take ownership of their own accountability. We actively participate with the association, which is a peer accountability and fellowship organizations for small ministries, which like small churches are in the majority in North America. So our desire here with this podcast and with the information that we are imparting is to take this complex information that is often developed for large organizations and bring it down to the small church and the small ministry context so that we can apply this practically where we live in the majority of churches and ministries. You know, most churches are small churches and they are made up of close-knit group of people in a community who have known each other for generations, who know and love each other and are often related. And we need to know how to do this in the small church context. And small ministries are often led by the founders who have a passion for the ministry that they are undertaking, and they need some structure around them. They're entrepreneurial, they bootstrap themselves from nothing, and they're doing a fantastic job doing the thing that they love, but they need some structure. They need some people around them to support them, to help them do things with excellence. So if you're interested in doing more in this area, to do things really well, take a look at Association of North American Missions. They are the proven peer accountability group for the majority of small ministries. So we need to turn the corner from relying on the outside experts to take a look at us and tell us how well we're doing and instead effectively equip our boards and our leaders to identify and address deficiencies on their own. The truth is that failures and weaknesses that are common to small organizations are entirely preventable through good governance practices. And good governance begins and ends with a proper understanding of the board's fiduciary responsibilities. So what is a fiduciary? Fiduciary is a word that comes from the Latin. The Latin root fiducia means trust. A fiduciary or a trustee acts on behalf of a beneficiary and is relied upon to act in good faith and honesty. So we start with that. We start with the focus on serving our beneficiaries. Who are your beneficiaries? Well, you're acting on behalf of church members, community members, the clients that your ministry serves. They are your beneficiaries. 
I'm reminded of the words of Paul's words to Timothy, where he told Timothy to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. You are a fiduciary with a deposit. It's entrusted to you. And it's, it, it's, more than, <clears throat> it's more than the staff, the programs, the money, the buildings. It is the gospel. You are managing these earthly things well so that the gospel may be sown freely in the field where the Lord has placed you. And your beneficiaries are not just the folks that you're serving today, not just the folks that are hearing the gospel today, but also those that will come in the future. You need to plan for the future so that your ministry will be around when future generations need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So when you take on fiduciary responsibility, your role is to ensure that the resources of the, are, of the ministry are used well. It demands that board members act with objectivity and honesty for the benefit of the ministry that they serve. In the following podcasts, we're going to dive into the details and help you make some practical application of these issues. But for now, I just want to leave you with these thoughts. Throughout all the high-profile ministry failures, there is a common thread. When, when you read a headline about a failure, a ministry failure, you need to ask the question, where was the board? Because that's the common thread. The board at some point failed to do its duty. And whether in the name of unity or maybe some misguided hope that things would just solve themselves or go away, someone didn't ask the hard questions. You know, we all naturally avoid confrontation. We seek comfort. We want to be accepted. In a small group, we all know each other. We like one another. We all want to get along, but that is where the problem enters. As the Apostle Paul lamented in Philippians 2.21, everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And friends, that is the first obstacle. It takes courage to implement Peter's admonition that it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. I I have been in board meetings and I have served on boards and I really appreciate um, groups that can come together and maintain a spirit of unity and a bond of peace and objectively deal with the difficult issues and come to conclusion with uh, unity and uh, speak with one voice and and leave the room stronger with greater respect and affection for one another because of the difficulty that they have had to walk through together. And I hope that you've experienced that and we want to equip you to be able to deal with those hard issues so that you can deal with integrity and accountability and 
transparency. You know, even though small churches, small ministries are largely out of the headlines, we know that the only church in town has an outsized impact on the community it serves. And that is why the small church and the small ministry must lead on these issues because you are the incarnate, visible example of our Savior who does all things well. And that is why accountability and transparency is important. So friends, the uh, following episodes are going to dive into the details and help you do this. And I am available to you for any questions that you may have, whether it's regarding finances or budgeting or payroll or tax law. I'm always glad to hear from you. Feel free to reach out with your comments and suggestions, and we will meet again on the next podcast. Thank you for listening.